You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. It's so difficult trying to articulate what to do in the few minutes that we have. But when it is called anniversary, then you must look back. Praise the Lord. So 17 years and um, I'm reminded, I recall to mind how it was before we started the Father's Church. As many of you would know, we're pastoring, you know, under some other um, organization before then. And life was good. Everything was good. But you see, when God has his hand upon you and has a purpose for you to fulfill, sometimes what people think is comfortable will be uncomfortable for you. You know how comfortable the womb is for a baby. In the womb, the baby does not need to cry for food. Whenever the baby needs food, the baby gets food. You know that. In fact, it is said medically that no matter how much the mother starves, that the baby can starve. Do you know that? It's a comfortable environment. Nobody is disturbing the baby. The baby sleeps when he wants to sleep, kicks when he wants to kick, you know, does everything. But... When it gets to the time when that baby's purpose in the womb is done, what begins to happen? The baby begins to agitate to come out. It doesn't mean that the womb isn't comfortable. So a time came that for the appointment and the assignment God had given to us, the place where we wasn't um, okay anymore. And um, we had to come out to start this work. And it wasn't an easy choice to make. We had had a lot of favor, a lot of goodwill. God had blessed us. And um, for those of us who don't know, the church was bigger than this. Okay? In that assignment. But one or two things were important for us to focus on. And that was the availability to God to do what he wants to do with us at any time and for every circumstance. In which case, the simple way I interpret it is God wants me to be without excuses. You know, when you have people on top of you, just like many of you will be saying, I would have done this, but if not for pastor, I would have done this, if not for pastor. Now, God said, come out so that you won't say I would have done this, if not for headquarters. And um, looking back now, I don't know how well I've done. You have to pray for me so that the next 17 years, if Jesus tarries, it will be much better. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm very serious what I'm saying to you. Why? Because the church, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, is not a mean institution. The church is a very, very serious business. Uh, I think um, someone said the church is in soul business. How many of you know that the church is in soul business? And that is solely the business the church should be involved in. The church is in soul business, and that is solely... Okay, so one soul, S-O-U-L, and the other soul, S-O-L-E, L-E-L-Y. Solely the business the church should be involved in. So when we say 17 years of the Father's Church, we should not be glad that we have a building. I mean, we thank God for the building, but it's not an accomplishment. The stadiums are bigger than this church, and they are not the church. Praise the Lord. We should also thank God for the lovely people we have for the weddings. You know, there are some churches, it's okay. They do anniversary, you know, they count the houses that were dedicated in the year. 
the uh, children that were born, and all of that, I mean, are part of God's blessings. Praise the Lord. The only problem with that is that there are other persons that are counting it. Schools are counting new enrollment, new branches, new campuses. Am I right? Banks are counting. If you're counting the increase in tithe or money, banks are also increasing in their share, uh, shareholding or you know, capital, whatever. And every other organization is counting. But there is something no other organization counts. And that is what? Souls. And that is what is left to us to ask ourselves, have we done well enough in this area? And um, I, I must tell you that I do not think we've done well enough. I do not think we've done well enough. And um, it's not your fault. I think it's my fault. Praise the Lord. <laughs> because I know that um, when, when, when we started, even with the other work, we wouldn't go a few months without doing an outreach. Whether it's dinner outreach or sports outreach or one form of outreach, because we we're concerned for the unsaved. But you know, after some time, you begin to lose focus, and um, it's 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 not easy. The Bible makes us understand that in the last days, what is going to happen? Perilous times are going to come, and when these perilous times come, it's going to shake you, and it's going to shake you. And what that shaking does? From the side of the enemy is to cause you to withdraw love. Is to cause you to to be you know self-centered, justifiably. I mean, just like the way our country is now. I mean, things are so difficult. How many of us go to the market? You go to the market and then you return the next week. Prices of everything have gone up. You don't even need to go go to the market if you use electricity. Between the beginning of the year and now, you know what has happened to electricity price? If you use cars, I didn't know that kerosene was 200 and something naira a liter. I'm sure some of us don't know. So, I mean, things are getting worse and worse and worse in our country. But you see, as we look at it locally as a local problem, it is still part of prophecy being fulfilled. And, you know, unfortunately, what the Bible says, how many of us want to follow what the Bible says, not what we feel? Somehow, it won't get better. You know what the Bible calls what we are saying? It is called birth pangs. Any woman here that has had child labor before, you'll know that when birth pangs begin, first of all, it sounds like a joke. It sounds like little stomach upset. I've never been pregnant before, but... <laughs> Okay, it starts like a joke, and then you th- the thing begins to get serious. And then, you're, you know, you're holding something like this. Next thing, you're holding like this. The next thing, you, you know, the wig is off and everything is off. Now, that is what bed pangs are. It starts little by little. That's why in Nigeria, we had, you know, corona lockdown, and we thought that was the worst. We didn't know NSARS was coming. Okay, so these things will continue and if you open your Bible to 2 Timothy 3, please, from verse 1. Thank you. We'll read it. It says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. 3. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. 4. Traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Five. 
It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And it says, from such people, do what? Turn away. Now, if you have time, when you go home, look at those first five verses. And you see that there is a common denominator of everything that is said there. The common denominator is that love will reduce. There will be a deficiency of love. There will be a love crisis. That's what it's going to be. That's why anybody here been in prison before? Okay, been in cell before? It's in Nigeria that people don't go to prison. You see, when you go to America, if you meet five people, three or four have been to prison. And some of the things they did, we have done hundred times what they did. We have free people outside and innocent people in prison. Anyway, in prison, why I'm trying to use prison is that in prison, there is no love there. So the level of wickedness there is extreme. People are just mean for no reason. They have a Samanja, they have Gaddafi, and all they do there is beat one another, hate on one another. Why? Because there is no love. Everybody coming there is coming in with hate. Now, that is what it's going to be, you know, trying to be outside of the world. There is going to be a withdrawal, a reduction of love. So you find people in desperation, hating one another, hurting one another, you know, injuring one another, albeit with a reason, okay? And what all of that does is that it makes the souls of men have a a higher propensity to be turned in the direction of hell. Why? Because these men and women will justifiably do wrong. Now, the assignment of the church in these last days, and for all days indeed, is that we must keep the fire of love what? Burning. We must keep it burning. We must contend to make sure that there is love in spite of it. And you know, the way the Lord ministered it to me, he said that the only antidote to the difficulties of this time. You know, how many of us have been complaining lately? You know, some people complain about different things. But the one that really touches me, maybe because I have a background in foreign exchange, is dollar price. Do you know that the amount you used to buy uh, $1,000 now would have bought you $3,000 six years ago? Dollar was one sixty, and we we're complaining before this government came in. 160 times 3 is what? And when you talk about that in Nigeria, price of dollar is more important than who is president. I hope you know that. We import everything. We're an import-dependent economy. So we complain and complain and complain. And the Spirit of God said, that's all right. But it says the only solution to this problem is more love. And I said, explain to me. He said, if you're in a room and you're happy, and maybe there are four of you in the room, and there's space for 12 or 20 in that same room, and the four people that are there are your friends, you'll be happy. He said, if another four come in, or three, and replace the three that are your friends, what will happen in the same room? There's enough space. Everything is there. But because the people you are hateful towards or have, you know, some grievances, animosity towards, all of a sudden, the room that has space for 12 people will no longer be what? Conducive for you. Why? Because love has reduced in that room and hate has multiplied. And he said the same way. And I remember when I was in school, I had a Volkswagen Beatles in the university. And I remember we used to, I used to carry sometimes seven people in the Volkswagen Beatles. You know, we see someone will be on my side here, you know, and then we'll just load the can, we're moving. And we're just happy. Nobody was complaining. 
But now you are a car owner. If you give two people ride and they ask you to shift, you'll be lamenting that you're suffering for Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? So he said, love, love multiplies joy and happiness. Lack of love, you know, dries it out. And so you don't have as much as you used to have before in things. Please complement that lack with love. Praise the Lord. And the Bible helps us. It says better is a dinner of what? Herbs. Where there is love. Which means there is no onions and there is no tomato. Use O Falco and let there be love in that house. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Or better still, palm oil with salt and rice is very sweet. Where there is love. Oh. Do you understand? Or better with yam. Or potatoes. You see, love will solve a lot of problems. Okay, so coming back to the church, he, he said to me, Revelation 2, part of what we're going to do, the Lord permitting, is that we're going to look at the, 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 the scorecard of the churches in, in the book of Revelation. You know, I was, um, I can't remember someday, I was just meditating and just, you know, worshiping the Lord. And he said to me, how far we have gone from reality. You see, reality in the sense of the truth. How far we've gone from reality in the church. I'm not talking about the world. And he said, how many people, you know, you travel, you find yourself somewhere and someone is introducing you. And he says, ah, you know, um, this is Pastor Soso. And he pastors a very big church in Abuja. Or this is Pastor Soso. He pastors a very big church in Houston. And he said to me, go and look at my letter to the churches in the book of Revelation. Which church is big there and which church is small? How many of us have read those letters? Which one was big? Is it the Ephesian church? The church to uh, Smyrna? Did he say anything about size? He said these things don't count. It's just like somebody coming, you know, looking at his body. I know the church is the body of Christ, isn't it? Looking at your body and you begin to say, I don't like the eye muzzle I have. It's not as big as my, what's this one? Calf muzzle. If your eye muscle becomes as big as the muscle in your calf, what will you go for? Surgery. Even if the, 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 the yes, the, the yam, we call it yam. What do you call it in your school? It's yam, Abby. Everywhere, universal. Now, what do we call this one? <laughs> if the yam here is transferred here, there's still a problem. So it's the body. What matters is the function, not the size. It's not the size. So he said, I didn't tell anybody anything about size. Why is it but some people are engaging in the, a lot of pastors that are genuinely called by God. Some are disappointed, some are frustrated, some are engaging, you know, going to, to the occult so that they can have big churches. Jesus is not marking big. This assignment they gave us, they didn't tell us you must write at least seven pages. You know, students had a lot of skills then. When they request seven pages, you double your handwriting. Isn't it? So that you fill up seven pages. Isn't that what the lecturer wants? Jesus didn't say, give me a big church. Look at his concerns about the church. And because of time, quickly, we'll just take one, you know, and just to mention that in case I don't mention. He said, another thing you, you're going to pick when you look at those letters is don't judge with human judgment. 
Never do that with spiritual things. I mean, when you're looking at tomato or onions or a car or all of that, I mean, say this car has a good paint job. This car has a, 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 a 4.0 liter engine capacity. And, you know, that's okay in physical things. But whenever it comes to spiritual things, do not make the mistake of judging by sight. It doesn't work. The dimensions and the criteria under this dispensation are completely different. One of the persons, you know, that one was so interesting to me. He said to this church, uh, uh, Revelation 3, Revelation 3 verse 1. This is the church in Sardis. They must be so sad. He said, you have a name that you are alive. What's the other part? Are you with me here? I hope you are alive. You have a name that you are alive, but what? Can you imagine that? Now look at that. He didn't say you say you are alive. That means they're not only saying they're alive. People are agreeing with them. This is the trending church. This is the happening church. Everybody unanimously agrees. The only person who is disagreeing, the only minority vote is the one who is the head of the church. He said, you have a name. A name is what we all want. A name is reputation. Isn't it? So they had a reputation that they were alive. Maybe the biggest, maybe with the biggest auditorium, maybe with the biggest members, maybe the dead were being raised every day. We don't know what it was, but they had that reputation. They didn't just say it themselves, people said it of themselves. But this is what the master said. He said, but you are dead. And when the resurrection and the life says somebody is dead, he's dead, dead. Praise the Lord. i show you another one quickly, you know, because uh, in case we're not able to do the detailed study. If you come down in the same chapter 3, he's speaking to this, the Laodicean church. We looked at them a few weeks back. And they said, you know, you're neither cold nor hot. You're just okay. And why were they okay? Look at verse 17. Let everybody read 17 for me. It says what? Let's read out very well. Because you say, I am rich and have become and have need of. Let's stop there. Nothing cools down a Christian like this statement. I think it was Wednesday, I believe it was Wednesday that we're looking at, you know, responding to delays and, and uh, chastisement. And the Lord said, I bring troubles, you know, or rather I permit, let's, you know, be more correct. I permit challenges and troubles to come to Christians so that they can build up their spiritual muscles. Now, in my love also, not wanting them to be tempted beyond what they can bear, I remove those troubles. Expecting that they will now continue with their spiritual muscles to serve me. But he said, unfortunately, the moment you remove the troubles, they relax and become cold again. And, you know, uh, we quoted a statement someone made and said, a lot of people said, when you pray only when you are in trouble. He says the person is what? In trouble. And a lot of believers are just like that. The only time they take this whole thing seriously is when they can smell the devil near them. That's not the life you want to live. Because complacency and ease is more a gift of the devil than any other person. Listen to me. The enemy is not concerned about how you live this life. He also is eternity minded. You know why? He has been sentenced to an eternity of punishment. So what he's looking for is what? Those who will come there. That's why he will give anything. He said to our Lord Jesus, never forget that. He said to our Lord Jesus, I will give you what? 
the kingdoms of the earth and its glory. That includes Facebook. That includes um, Amazon. That includes uh, which other one? Dangote. It includes all of it. It says, I'll give it to you. Just fall down and what? Worship me. If he gave him everything, what will he have? He will have nothing, but he will have the person in hell. The devil is eternity-minded. God forbid that we ourselves will not be more eternity-minded than him. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, so look at this church. It says, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing. It's at that stage that people get to, and when you're shouting and jumping for God, you say, he must have a problem. Something must be disturbing him or her. You see, because I don't need to shout or jump. My, before it used to be my wallet is loaded. Now it's that my phone is loaded. You know it's phones that are loaded now. You press some buttons, you transfer 5 million and it won't bounce. You press transfer 50 million, it won't bounce. Why will I be jumping? Let the little boys, let them jump. But you see, this is what the Lord says. He says, and you do not know that what? You are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is shocking. Praise the Lord. This is shocking. I mean, I can think I have need of nothing. And look at the things I need. Number one, I can't see. I'm naked. I'm poor. How many of us have, have heard the story of the, um, of the invisible garment that was made for the king? The garments, you know, the king's um, invisible garment. Okay? Let me tell you the story. They said one witty, you know, tailor. The emperor's invisible garment came to his king, the emperor, and said to him that, Emperor, for this great occasion that is coming up, I want to make for you a special attire befitting your status. It has never been made before. And this attire I'm going to make for you is so special that only the innocent, the truthful, the honest can see it. So this tailor measure took the measurement of the emperor and went and made this garment and came and kept the garment or the day of the occasion came and he put the garment on the king. You know, if you're going to wear a garment, you have to remove the one you're wearing. So the king, the emperor removed his garment and this tailor carefully, you know, put this, fitted this new special garment on him. All this while, the emperor couldn't see it. But you see, he had warned the emperor that what? Only the honest and truthful can see this. So the emperor did not want to confess his dishonesty and his vileness. So he was pretending as if he was seeing it. And he was moving around and, you know, he looked probably in the mirror. He was seeing his nakedness. But he was pretending as if he was seeing this garment. The king came out. All the people in his court that had heard about this garment saw him. And they were all saying, what a beautiful garment. What a beautiful garment. But they were not seeing anything. You see, because all of them were wicked and unjust and dishonest. Until one child saw the king or the emperor and shouted, Emperor, you're naked. Emperor, you're naked. It was then that it dawned on them that their problem was not telling themselves the truth. It took a little child. That's the situation here. These people said, I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. But this is the real situation from an honest eye. May the Lord help us. Church business is serious business, brothers. Church business is serious business. And as I'm speaking, let me help you. 
I'm not talking about organizations because as we're talking now, some people are thinking of that church, that church, that church. If you read this book of the letter to the churches in Revelation, at the end, Jesus said to him, he didn't say to them. When you read it, at the conclusion of every letter, it is to him. Your destiny is not tied to your pastors. It's not tied to the organization you belong. It is your personal responsibility. Nobody will be able to keep you from heaven if you make the choice to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And nobody will be able to present you to heaven by saying you're a member or a supporter or a treasurer or whatever in this church. It will never happen. It's clear. It's individual. In fact, in some churches, Jesus was clear enough to say there are some of you there who are not part of that nonsense. So I want you to understand this and just know that even if you're not a worker or anything in church, just by the fact that you are a churchgoer, you're a born-again Christian, there's a responsibility on you. Whether in church or at home or in business on the road, these things are serious business. You know, I, I don't know about you, but you see, we, we live in a world where the truth is so plain, but we have so, 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 our hearts have been so uh, uh, um, hardened that we just shut our ears to it. Many years ago, I think it was probably... Almost early when the church started, we, we had to bury a young girl. Blessing. And, you know, God used that to just change a lot of things in me. I said, this is a young girl, a teenager. We are burying her. And all of a sudden, she's, we're not talking about her education. We're not talking about marriage. We're not talking about all of that. We're not even talking about citizenship. So it doesn't matter whether she died in Nigeria or she died in Canada or she died in the U.S. She's dead. Now, all that matters about her is, is she in heaven or is she in hell? I believe she's in heaven because she was a wonderful little girl. I believe she was in heaven. And all of a sudden, he said to me, that is your agenda. Make sure that you set eternity on the hearts of men. That was how come we preach the message, eternity on my mind. Because every day, you see people today, tomorrow you don't see them. At the last count, about this time last day, I had my birthday, 50th birthday, and my wife and I were looking at the pictures that the photographer brought, delivered to us. And the count, at least four people who were in the bed, they are dead. Four people who we could see their pictures are no longer with us. Now, for such persons, it doesn't matter whether they died rich or poor. Whether they died married or single. Whether they died indebted or... I think one of the best... Well, you will not owe anybody... But when an indebted man dies, some people are laughing. You will be rich in the name of Jesus. You will pay your debt. <laughs> Hallelujah. You will not escape it by death. You will bless everyone and then go to glory in the name of Jesus. Anyway, it just doesn't matter. And you see that this is the work. This is not just the work. The privilege that has been given to us. If you come with me to um, John 20. John 20 quickly. As I try to see what I can do with time. In John chapter 20, you see what our Lord Jesus says to us in verse 19. I read, and then he says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 21. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, what I also send you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. 23, let's read 23 together, everybody. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Brothers and sisters, this is power. More than that, this is responsibility. Power was given to us. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. He is God with us. And I carry him. You carry him. And by this gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, you have the power to turn the direction of a man from hellward to heavenward. Let's clap for Jesus. You see, when I was growing up, one of the things, if you ask my father about his children, one of the things I think my father would say about me was that I had, is it Ojikoko? Which one is? Ojikokoro. Oju. Uh-huh. That's, I had big eye. Once I told you the story when I stole his pen. They gave him a gift, you know. He traveled, they gave him this gift. I can't remember, maybe a Mont Blanc or something like that. Secondary school. That was the one I went to steal. I didn't steal Beak. I didn't steal uh, Parker. I didn't steal, uh, you know, I stole that one. He didn't look for it. He just sent for me. (laughs) And said, go and bring my pen. I didn't also argue. (laughs) I didn't argue. I just went and brought the pen. I said, this man, you know me. You know, I went, why am I saying that? But you see, in Christ now, I think he's helping me to have the correct big eye. Because the greatest attainment you can have is that a soul is led to Christ because of you. It has changed me. I think maybe, you know, the other side of it. I'll show you some scriptures that will bless you. In the Psalm, Psalm 49, let's find it and I'll show you something there. Verse 6, 6, 7, 8, and 9. This is part of what has just changed my perspective. Okay? It says, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches. It says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Verse 8. It says, for the redemption of their souls is what? Costly, costly, costly. Costly, and he shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. He said there is something that we have that wealth cannot buy. It is the ability, the power to be a vessel to redeem a brother from destruction. Brethren, if you're born again, that power has been vested on you. And my oju kokoro has been set on that power. I don't look for any other thing anywhere. He has maybe, if he can be a problem, it's almost a problem. Anytime I'm talking to somebody, anywhere I am, I'm just thinking, how is he saved? Many times I may not do a good job of presenting it. You know, many, some years ago, I was with some old friends at a wedding in Lagos, you know. And I just couldn't hold it. Time was passing. I said, repent or you go to hell. I'm sure you know the person didn't repent. I don't do that style again. But you must know that you and I have been given what? This responsibility. 
And when we say the church is 17 years, it's 17 years of carrying the Holy Ghost. It's 17 years of having the means and the only grounds. The Bible calls the church the pillar and the ground of truth. The only place where salvation is to be the business. Brethren, I want to beg you as I try and round up. Let's do better. Individually, corporately, let's do better. We are blessed beyond bounds. Look at that passage. It says no one by their wealth, no one by their resources can redeem a brother. Say for the redemption of souls is costly. Many of us, they have had the privilege of being used to lead our parents to Christ. How much money would you have had to change your parents' eternal destiny? It's only in Christ that we have that. That is what we celebrate as a church. So on this 17th anniversary, we want to thank the Lord for first saving us and for committing to us the ministry of reconciliation. And we want to pray that we'll be good stewards. We'll be faithful stewards. That corporately, individually, even as friends. I mean, it's so easy. As unbelievers, if two friends met, what would they do? They will plan to commit sin. Are there people who were unbelievers here? When you met with your friends, what do you do? Do you plan to visit the orphanage? When you met as unbelievers, you plan. Now we must get to the place where if two Christians meet, they should be planning on witnessing, on winning souls, or doing something productive for the kingdom. Somebody say amen. That's the place I want amen. That's what it should be. And you know what? There's great reward. There's such a great reward. I'm telling you for this. There's such a great reward. So as we do this, Ephesians 1, you know, I want to thank the Lord for everyone. But most importantly, I just want to even thank our God and Father. You know, the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, from verse 1, I'll read and try and read quickly. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. That very first line, can you put it for me and amplify it, please? I want to thank the people that have been part of this work. Paul, an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ. The Messiah, the anointed by the will of God, that is by his purpose and choice. Okay, I don't know if that one applies to, to me, but um, we'll leave that one. He said to the saints, God's people, who are at Ephesus, he says what? And are faithful and are loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. You see, I want to thank everyone who fits into this description. You were a born-again Christian. I want to say thank you because I believe in some way your life is making this work easier. You can clap for yourself if you're born again here. And most especially says to the faithful and loyal. The faithful and loyal. The faithful and loyal Christian saints, you know when we read saints in the Bible, our mind can go very far, but you are the saints. Praise the Lord. You have been blood washed. The blood of Jesus has washed you. When you call on the name of Jesus, heaven takes, you know, takes note. The, the, the ones that have been faithful over the years, I want to encourage you. And I want to say thank you. I want to appreciate you. Because you see, no matter how hard you want to think you are, Encouragement is beautiful. Praise the Lord. 
I said encouragement is beautiful. Then you're now frowning more so that you deny me the encouragement. When I say it's beautiful, you smile a bit now. Praise the Lord. Yes, no matter how, you know the song we sing. Uh, if no one joins me, still I will follow. But it's better when someone joins you. So I want to appreciate men and women, you know, who over the years have been faithful to this work. I want to appreciate the pastors. I want to appreciate the elders, the deacons, the assistant pastors, the Joy Force members. You know, everyone. And I must be careful to, you know, make this appreciation, not to imply or to measure just the contribution in this, you know, physical work. No. It's the life they live. You see, nothing, nothing gives joy. You know, I noted this when we're in Enugu. Nothing gives joy to a pastor that he sees somebody, not in front of him, maybe for some people in front of them, but that he realizes that a member of the church, far off, is living the life. I'm telling you, it's like Rolls Royce. Nothing gives joy. The Apostle Paul says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. It's encouraging to know that this thing, people are believing it. Someone was, you know, speaking to me on my birthday, and he said something that touched me. He said, Pastor, you cannot go, you know, he was praying for me. And he said, sometimes I want to do something. I will just hear your voice. I said, man, I was happy. I said, it's working. For everyone here, married, loving your wife, wife, submitting and loving your husband, being faithful in that union, I'm proud of you. And I give God thanks for you. For the children, you know, in school, in different places, representing. This is what we celebrate. It's the life. It's the life. Praise the Lord. It's the life. We celebrate it. We don't discount the gifts. Praise the Lord. I mean, our choir is beautiful. We also celebrate the choir. Let's appreciate the Lord for the choir. We appreciate those who, many of us would never know this group. Every Saturday and, you know, during the week, they come and clean up this place, the sanctuary keepers. Let's appreciate the Lord for them. Okay. Many people that are doing so many things. And what about the people who actually bring the money? You know? Oh, yes. Let's clap for those who bring the money. Now, in this church, we've said that we would not make tithe an issue. But I know and you know that ain't no romance without. If you love the Lord, you will give to the Lord. And the measure of your giving is simply the measure of your love. Yes, you didn't give me birthday gift, but I still love you. But about the Lord, it says, none shall appear before me. What? You must give to the Lord. And the beauty of it is that Jesus, being who he is, never measures the quantity of your gift. He's only concerned about the quality of your gift. So when he was ministering to me, he said, appreciate those who have given the large amount that have enabled you to do large things. But most importantly, do not fail to appreciate those who do not have much. But out of the little they've had, they've given. He said they were the spiritual power. You know, we have projects and we're raising 20 million, 15 million and all of that. And we would like to hear that somebody has given 5 million or 10 million. But somebody gives 5,000 out of an income of 16,000. Brethren, heaven rejoices over that. And if you're such person, know 
that in the kingdom of God, your reward will surely be yours. Men reward based on quantity. God rewards based on quality. Your reward will be yours. In the name of Jesus. There are some that have just been praying for the church that have a strong burden for the church. Those prayers are appreciated. We are thanking God for them. Every good thing that we have, God has used somebody to do it. And this morning, we just want to say you're the real, what what do, do Americans call it? MVPs, most valuable players. So we appreciate that, and they're in several ways. And then I want to beg also, for the Bible says, God speaking to David. He said, for by this action, you have caused the enemies of the Lord to reproach him. I want to beg you, if you're a part of the church, if for your sake you don't want to go to heaven, please, for the sake of those who are watching you, change your life. I asked a, um, a lady the other day, what about your husband? You know, unfortunately, that they have finished preaching, stopped complaining. And the lady didn't say anything. I said, well, I still there here. But I'm begging who that man is, whoever that man is. If you're not in planning to go to heaven, don't be a stumbling block. Because the very fact you come here, people will use you and say, look at that one. He goes to church. I did it. I know many are doing it. Before I got born again, anytime the Holy Spirit wants to convict me, ah, I will pick up four names. I say, look at my boss. Is it to pray, 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 pray? Look at what she does in the office. People will use you to go to hell. You don't want that. It's better you're not coming to church, sir. Make up your mind. If you want to be cold, be cold. If you want to be hot, be hot. This is not a joke. Jesus' blood is what we are working with here. We are carrying a pot of blood. The moment you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And you identify yourself with the work of God. You can either be for or against. Listen, nobody telling you the truth will tell you it's by his power. But God will never compel you to change. If you don't want to change, he won't come and change you. But if you want to change and say, on this 17th anniversary, I want to add to the testimony. People have, you know, said, ah, someone called me. I think it was Chris. I say he's a good boy. I want to hear that. I want to hear that. That's what delights me. Praise the Lord. You know why that's delighting me? Because I know that's what will last. So I want to pray that there will be a change of heart. That there will be a change of heart. You're children of light. Why walk in darkness? How can you have this great privilege of fellowshipping with the king? And then you take your body and make it a partaker of hallowed. How can you be a single sister? You're in the choir. And then you're committing fornication. How can you? How do you even climb here and do that? Why, why, would, you, why would you take that risk? If you don't love yourself, at least those who know you where you go and who may see you on Facebook, for their sake, if anything, we can do, do you labwaja, you will be hiding there. Your voice is very good. Just hide there so that it's you and you. But that you will become an advertisement for hell. Don't mind them. They're all the same. Look at that one. She's in the choir. Look at that one. He's an usher. Look at that one. You know, somebody, you know, came, was speaking to somebody the other day. And was an usher in a church and was sleeping with a married man in the same church. And the man was a treasurer. She was an usher. Look at the combination. And then this is what Jesus went to the cross for. I beg, if you want to play, join NFA, join, uh, 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 join different organizations, and just play there. The church is not where you play. 
A church is where you glow for the kingdom. Where your life shines as light. Where you become a witness for Jesus. Where your life is being transformed from glory to glory. We are not yet perfected. The apostle Paul says, I'm not yet perfected. But one thing I do, I forget the things which are behind. And I press forward toward the mark of the high call. Let's rise on our feet as we appreciate the Lord. And I want you to ask the Lord, let me go forward. You may not even be a member of the church, but you're witness to the 17 years anniversary. Let me press forward. The song says, I'm pressing on to higher grounds. Lord, lift me up. Let us take as we make our prayer. Lord, help me that I may press on. Take me deeper in this thing. Make me a worthy vessel. Lord, come and change me. Someone you're in church now, the things you're hearing are not to condemn you. They are to convict you. Conviction is a necessary precursor to transformation. If you're here and you hear things that convicted you, you can meet me personally. And I say, and say, Pastor, agree with me. Let my life be changed. And I bet you, God be witness, your life will change. Why? Because my own life has changed. Many that you're seeing, their lives have changed. And God is not a respectable person. If he can transform one, he can transform the other. And that's why he chose a man like Paul the Apostle, who says to me, that is less than the least of the saints, says this benefit, this privilege was given, that I may preach the gospel. Lord, help me. I want you to make a prayer. Lord, help me. Lord help me, 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 hallelujah, just pray please, it's a personal thing, pray Lord take me higher, take me higher, take me higher, and if you don't want to pray for yourself, please pray for me, I, I, I can do better as a pastor, I can love more, I, I, can, I can serve more, I, I, I can, I, it, it can be better, Lord help me, help me, help me. Help me. And if you're part of this church, I need you to pray and desire that there'll be transformation, that lives will be one. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Listening to a message by Pastor Ikina Okeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09 290 9000 or 0703 15 You can find us online at www. At the Father's Church Online.org. God bless you.